Good morning. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Bev. A special warm welcome to the guests or visitors joining us on this first Sunday after Christmas, the Sunday where we hear of Jesus fulfilling the law for us. In fact, that'll be double for today as our service this evening will be on the eve of the circumcision and naming of Jesus as well. Before we get into the particulars of the service, I'll turn your attention to the back of your bulletin where we have their printed Luther Small Catechism as we continue to follow our midweek school students through their memory work for the year. We find ourselves today at the third petition of the Lord's Prayer. So then I'll ask you, what is the third petition of the Lord's Prayer? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does this mean? The good and gracious will of God is done even without our prayer. But we pray in this petition that it may be done among us also. How is God's will done? God's will is done when he breaks and hinders every evil plan and purpose of the devil, the world, and our sinful nature, which do not want us to hallow God's name or let his kingdom come. And when he strengthens and keeps us firm in his word and faith until we die, this is his good and gracious will. That from Dr. Luther. As we turn our attention toward the service itself, I'll have you go to the inside of the back cover of your bulletin now for our Focused on Christ section there, a summary of the readings in today's service. A rod has come forth from the stem of Jesse, the seed of David whose kingdom shall be established forever. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son Jesus to redeem us from the judgment of the law. Now he is presented in the temple in fulfillment of the law and revealed to be a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Christ has enlightened us in baptism, giving us to be adopted as sons of God and heirs of eternal life. Receiving the holy sacrament of his body and his blood, we are prepared to depart this world in peace, for our eyes have seen the salvation of God in him. Our service this day is the Office of Matins, as it begins on page 219. We now sing the first hymn. The Old Testament reading for the first Sunday after Christmas is from Isaiah chapter 11. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. The epistle is from Galatians chapter 4. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, 
to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. O Lord, have mercy on us. Please stand for the reading of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the second chapter. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, Now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. In the Gospel, we see the little Lord Jesus coming into his earthly temple and fulfilling his law for us. In fact, in the readings for both worship services today, we will hear of Jesus fulfilling the law. All of this, dear saints, was necessary for our salvation. Today we will see that Jesus is the holy child who fulfills the law in order to make us unholy sinners into sons and heirs of God. And this first instance is seen in the gospel set before us this morning. The timeline is 40 days after Jesus' birth. St. Luke writes, And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves, or two young pigeons. Of all the offerings prescribed in the law of Moses, the offering of two turtle doves is the humblest 
and the least costly. This tells us that Joseph and Mary were likely people of humble means. They wanted to keep God's law and be faithful, but they could not afford a higher-priced offering. In the second instance, which will be preached on later this evening, the timeline goes back to eight days after the birth of Jesus, when he was circumcised and received his name, the name which was spoken to them by the angel. In both events, blood was shed according to the law of Moses. In both events, Jesus was fulfilling the very law which he handed down to Moses before his incarnation, as it is recorded in Leviticus chapter 12. This is fascinating. What the Lord requires of us in his law, he perfectly fulfills and obeys for us. The author of the law puts himself underneath his own law in order to redeem us by his perfect obedience and to purify us by the shedding of his own blood on the cross. What incredible grace. And why? Why would the Lord go to such lengths to redeem us, to purify us lowly sinners, to save us from sin, from death, and from the power of the devil? Perfect divine love and grace. Jesus is the holy child who fulfills the law in order to make us unholy sinners into sons and heirs of God. So, dear saints, on this seventh day of Christmas, let's dig into why this was necessary and together marvel at the gift of God's grace in Christ Jesus. Whether people realize it or not, they are accountable. They are accountable to God and to his holy law. The holy ten commandments of the Lord apply to all humanity, whether they've read the Bible or not. To our fallen human reason, such a thing does not sound fair. But you see, our concept of fairness does not apply to God. He is creator. He is redeemer. He is judge. In the book of Romans chapter 1, St. Paul explains that all people should be able to observe the world around them and perceive that there must be an almighty creator. He writes... For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse." For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Folks, this world is not a cosmic accident, nor has it taken millions and billions of years for us to arrive where we are today. Those who believe such myths are not only fooling themselves, but setting themselves against the clear witness of Scripture and against the one and only God who exists, the God who created them, has redeemed them in Christ, and longs to draw them to himself by his spirit. A person ought to be able to see the order, the complexity, and the beauty of creation and perceive God's power and design therein. Nevertheless, countless souls deny their creator to their eternal judgment. As St. Paul explained, people gave up the glory of God and started worshiping everything and everyone but the one true God. 
This is the result of mankind's fall into sin. Ever since Adam and Eve fell to Satan's temptation in the garden, humanity has been turned in on itself. Incurvatus in se is what the old Latin phrase for that is. And people have then been turned away from God in unbelief and in sin. But even these holy truths from Scripture do not answer people's concerns about God's fairness concerning his law and those who've never heard it. For that, St. Paul continues in Romans chapter 2. He says, God shows no partiality, for all who have sinned without the law, that is Gentiles, will also perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law, that is Jews, will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For when Gentiles, who do not have the law, by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. Are you following Paul's point, dear saints? The work of God's law is written on every human heart. God shows no partiality. All are without excuse. All have been created by God and are accountable to him. All are under the law, that is the Ten Commandments, whether they've read the Bible or not. Why? Because God has written his law upon the hearts of all mankind, no matter how dimly that may shine to them. People who have never read the Bible know it's not good or just to take another person's property and treat it like it is their own. People who have never read the Bible know that murder is wrong. People who have never read the Bible, they know that lying is not a good and positive way to relate to other human beings. You see, even those who do not have the Ten Commandments show that they are written on their hearts, again, no matter how dimly they may shine, no matter how calloused their consciences have become, there is still this truth. This concept of morality, it did not come from nothing, nor did it organically rise up as a social construct or social contract whereby people could begin building a more harmonious society. Morality comes from the creator of all things, the only one who is good, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now with all of this in mind, think back then to the little Lord Jesus in his temple at 40 days old, and at the synagogue at 8 days old, respectively. Even as a tiny child, Jesus was doing what was necessary to save you from sin, death, and from the devil. Even though he required the constant care of his earthly mother and father, Christ was doing what was necessary for your salvation. Think of it. This little, powerless babe is the almighty and all-powerful God of all creation who does everything that's necessary for your salvation. This humble baby born to a humble mother and adoptive father, he fulfilled God's Ten Commandments for you and all humanity, even though we are incapable of doing such a thing for even a second. Now, were we to be alive at that time in Jerusalem, I'm not so sure we would have noticed Jesus, Mary, and Joseph in the temple that day with all the normal hustle and bustle. Even if you were a God-fearing Jew, one who was waiting in faith for the Savior to come, this humble family would not have stood out to you. But then, on a day like any other, Jesus was brought to his earthly temple, and suddenly, a God-fearing man named Simeon came up to Mary, took Jesus in his arms, and blessed God, saying, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. 
For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Now, I think it's safe to say that for most parents, such an event would have startled them. And honestly, it is possible that Joseph and Mary's initial reaction was that. We're not told. What we are told is that Joseph and Mary marveled at what was said about him, that is, Jesus. And Simeon blessed them and said to, his, to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Jesus was appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and outside of Israel. For Jesus is the Savior of Jew and Gentile alike. For all who trust in Christ by the power of the Spirit are justified in God's sight. Those who reject Christ as Savior are condemned for their unbelief and they are still in their sins. Jesus is the Holy Child who fulfilled the law and then died on the cross in order to make unholy sinners into sons and heirs of God. As Isaiah said of him, Jesus is the shoot that sprung up from the stump of Jesse. After 400 years of silence with no prophet having been sent to his people, God's promise to David looked as though it was cut off like a tree cut down to the stump. Nevertheless, in God's good timing, Jesus came forth fulfilling the words of David, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Micah, Malachi, all of the prophets, and he came fulfilling the law. Jesus is the shoot that sprung up from the stump of Jesse. He is the holy child who grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. He is the holy child who became the man that bore your sin to the cross in order to redeem you by his bloody death and his glorious resurrection on the third day. You see, to Simeon, it had been revealed by the Spirit that he would not die until he saw the Lord's Christ the promised Messiah and Savior. This, by the way, is the reason why we typically picture him as an, a man advanced in years, an older man, because the Lord would not let him see death until he saw the Lord's Christ. We're not given an actual age for Simeon, but that's what we hold on to regarding his age. To you, this same Christ, Messiah and Savior, has been revealed as well. By the same Holy Spirit, many things have been revealed to you by the Word of God. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, including yours. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through Him. This Jesus, who came to us in Bethlehem, who preached and taught throughout Galilee, performing many miracles. He was crucified outside of Jerusalem and buried in a borrowed tomb. This Jesus is alive and will come again in glory on the last day. And this same Jesus, who is lifted up by Simeon in the temple and blessed as the salvation of God, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of God's people Israel, he comes to you today. In word, water, bread, and wine, by his chosen means, this same Jesus Christ abides with you, granting you pardon for your sins, eternal life, and the strengthening of your faith. Until the day your faith becomes your sight and you behold him with your own eyes as Simeon did that day in the temple so long ago. Jesus is the holy child who fulfilled God's law in order to make us unholy sinners into sons and heirs of God. And so he has. Jesus is the Lamb of God 
the perfect once and for all time sacrifice for sin, surpassing that of any turtle, dove, goat, oxen, or ram, Jesus shed his sinless blood on the cross to cover your sins and mine, and on the third day, God raised him from the dead. In Christ Jesus, God the Father has revealed his love and his grace towards sinners. All whom the Spirit calls to repentance and faith are forgiven, sanctified, and counted as children of God. Think of that. You went from being an enemy of God, one whom God would justly damn in his wrath over your sin, and now God accounts you as one of his redeemed children, a son or daughter of God, one who has sonship through the Son, Jesus Christ. And as his baptized and forgiven saints, you have received the Spirit of Christ in your heart who cries out, Abba, Father, by God's grace in Christ, you're no longer counted as slaves to sin, but sons to God. And as sons, you join your voices with Simeon, with Anna, and with all the saints and heirs of God. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, watch and guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. O God, our Maker and Redeemer, you wonderfully created us, and in the incarnation of your Son, yet more wondrously restored our human nature. Grant that we may be ever alive in him who made himself to be like us. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For grace to rejoice in Christ's blessed incarnation, in thankfulness that in the fullness of time, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem us and give us the adoption as his sons and heirs, and to grant us a glad new year. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the church, that all who have been baptized into Christ may embrace the Christ child by word and faith, and so be ready to depart whenever they are called. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For Christian families, that the Father, from whom all fatherhood on earth is named, would bless them with his promises. For parents, that they would be diligent and find delight in their work. For children, that by God's favor they would grow in strength and wisdom. And for widows, orphans, and broken families, that God would comfort them with his mercy and give them joy in the redemption won for them in Christ. Let us pray to the Lord. For those who make, administer, and judge our laws, that they may serve faithfully in their tasks according to God's good pleasure for the benefit of our people, let us pray to the Lord. Lord for the lonely, that they would be comforted with the sure and certain knowledge that God will never forsake them, and that within the household of faith they might find family, friends, and loving companionship, let us pray to the Lord. For the sick and suffering, especially those who desire our prayers, including Pat Taney, Norma Horine, Vanessa Burmester, Charlotte Locke, Bob Rash, Chuck Lichty, Lisa Rash, and Ted Phillips, that according to God's gracious will, they would be healed. And for those who mourn that God would fill their hearts with the certain hope of the resurrection, let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. 
for those who receive the Lord's Supper this day, that they would behold their salvation in the very body and blood of Christ given for them, and with St. Simeon be well prepared to depart in peace according to God's word. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we here remember the sufferings and death of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, for our salvation. Praising his victorious resurrection from the dead, we draw strength from his ascension before you, where he ever stands for us as our own high priest. Gather us together, we pray, from the ends of the earth to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb and his kingdom, which has no end. Graciously receive our prayers, deliver and preserve us, for to you alone we give all glory, honor, and worship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Well, as this seems to be the church year of overlapping things, a blessed first Sunday after Christmas and also a blessed New Year's Eve to all of you. Uh, we continue this morning with Sunday school and Bible study immediately following worship. Uh, please note that we have our New Year's Eve Vespers service at 545. We're just continuing that 545 time that we have all through Advent and Lent so as to not cause confusion. And the reason why I say that is because next Sunday, <laughs> or Saturday, sorry, Saturday, see there I go. Uh, Saturday, January 6th, on uh, the day of Epiphany, we will have our Epiphany Vespers, and that will be at 7 p.m., uh, so please note that, 5.45 this evening, 7 p.m. on Saturday for our Epiphany Vespers. Uh, just to note that uh, the Consor Concordia Music Conservatory, we continue to have information available for that on the glass case. They will be starting up again soon, so if you have any interest in getting a, a child, grandchild, nephew, niece, godchild, uh, what have you involved in the numerous, numerous offerings they have there. Please uh, see that information and uh, get in touch with Dr. Gerard Marsh. She will be uh, delighted to help you out in that regard. And just to note that there's uh, no Lutheran Confessions class on this Wednesday, so uh, please note that if you come on Wednesday at 9 o'clock, you'll just kind of be reading it either alone or together without the pastor present. Um, some schedule conflicts prevent me from uh, being able to, to do that this Wednesday. Um, Let's see here. I believe that brings us to the end of our announcement. Oh, uh, it's not written in the bulletin. Um, we have been invited, our congregation, to... Um, there's an Epiphany hymn sing at Grace Lutheran Church on Lexington. So this is going to be on Saturday. Uh, the hymn sing is at 4 p.m. Uh, so you're invited to join them there. Um, they just got done completely renovating their organ. It's a beautiful instrument. Pastor Thorson's wife is a very accomplished organist, and she will be playing uh, for that. So if you have any interest, there is time to go to that. And then if you like, come and make it here for Vespers at 7 p.m. So again, that's Grace Lutheran Church in Lexington, and that will be at 4 p.m. on Saturday. Anything I may have missed? All right. God's peace be with you as you go as sons and daughters of God, those who have sonship in Christ Jesus. We give thanks to God for that. I'll greet you at the door.